Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 14. Truth cannot be learned. It must be recognized. If you want to guide others to the truth, state your thoughts simply. Get people to respect them rather than you for having stated them. Speak the truth in such a way as to bring it back to people's remembrance. The sage Patanjali defined enlightenment as smriti, memory. It's very interesting to contemplate the fact that very often when we finally come to understand something, at least in the English language, we say, I realized it. I realized that this is true. I realized that this is where I need to go. I realized that this is the error I've been making. <clears throat> Even though we may have learned that from experiences that we had, by the time we actually recognize it, the language we usually use is, I realized it. That's why <clears throat> when Master came to America and he wanted to have a name for the entire spiritual movement he started, he called it self-realization. He could have called it, and people do, self-actualization. Um, there's other words, self-development, self-improvement, self-expansion. But there was a tremendous subtlety in self, which is with a capital S, realization. Because realization is always there, we just don't yet know it. It doesn't suddenly appear on the scene, it's that it was, it was behind some kind of a shadow, some kind of a mist, which perfectly defines our inner relationship with the divine. The self, the divine self, is always there, we just don't realize it. We mistakenly think that we are the ego, that we are separate, that we are insecure, that we are alone, and then oh, we realize that we are not. This is why Swami uses the phrase, truth is always recognized. And truth is recognized exactly at the moment when all the forces of delusion and wisdom have played together so that the balance tips on the side of wisdom. And we feel it in our lives. You know, we can have the same evidence in front of us over and over and over again. And then there'll just be a point of realization. Often it comes like that. Often it comes like a snap of the finger. Oh, I just realized what I'm supposed to be doing. Isn't it so? It's like suddenly recognition is there. And when we realize something, there often is that feeling of recognition, that feeling... That, that this is not foreign to me. This has just always been there, but it was, as I say, it was obscured by our opinions or by our fears or by our lack of knowledge or our lack of experience. Um, <clears throat> this is why Patanjali uses that marvelous word for spiritual realization, which is smriti. You, uh, Swami defines it here as the word memory, but smriti is memory on a much more profound level. It's not just, oh, I'm in the grocery store and I remember that I need more peanut butter or something like that. Smriti relates 
to the, the memory of, of eternal truth. And as we progress on the spiritual path, what happens is that more and more of those memories are revealed, memories of our divine origin, memory of the, of the, of the law of karma, memory of the appropriateness of this experience because it's exactly the karmic opportunity that, that I, I need. And it's not necessarily that I remember the past life in which I, I did the wrong thing that now is being corrected <clears throat> in detail in that respect. But we'll feel it. We'll, we'll, Smriti will awaken and there will be a certain divine rightness to, to what's going on now. Now, Swamiji also says that if then you wish to um, convey truth to people on this higher level, not just facts. You know, it's amusing now with um, everybody having a device in their pocket and all human knowledge being available just by a few keystrokes. We used to be able to have long conversations, even arguments about objective facts. (laughs) And now immediately someone will pull something out. I remember spending 10 minutes having a discussion when we were on a, a trip as to whether or not town was seven or 12 miles away from where we were, went on for a really long time. Nowadays, it would last about two seconds. Someone would pull it out. Now, I think that to a large extent, that's a positive thing. So when Swami talks about trying to get people to recognize the truth, I'm not talking about objective facts in the material world, who was the 14th president and you know, who, who founded the League of Nations and how did it dissolve or anything like that. We're talking about <clears throat> the deeper states of smriti, of realization, where, and, and this is progressive, this isn't just God is love, but <clears throat> trying to get our thinking in order. I was reflecting on, on how Swami Kriyananda trained me over many years, to think more clearly. I won't say that I yet think clearly, because opinions and emotions still influence. Until one is God realized, until one is God realized, one cannot be certain. But certainly, I think more clearly than I used to, and partly because he was training me for the role that I have now. He 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 never allowed. Uh, careless thinking to go unnoticed is the way I would say it. He didn't always challenge me because he was also very sensitive to my capacity to learn. And and this is relevant to what I'm saying here. He understood that if he merely imposed an idea upon me, I might accept it out of obedience or out of respect, or even accept it, and this is even worse, out of mental laziness, because I myself didn't know what was exactly right. So if he just told me what was true, then I never had to raise my energy, transcend my limitations, fight against my delusions in order to come to the point where I could remember or recognize that it was true. All of that could be solved just by taking his point of view. So that was never the way Swami worked with us. He always tried, uh, tried, did his very best to bring us to the point where we could recognize what he was saying as valid. 
And the way he did this, and I, I've observed it in both his writing and his speech for many years, is he would try to bring whatever example it was down to something that we ourselves had already experienced. And then from the level of our own experience, then he could build some, build us to something that we may not have experienced, but we could at least recognize where the trail was leading. The most, um, the, the, the most extreme example of that is a very, very beautiful and, and uh, wonderful answer he gave to a commonly asked question among devotees, which is, you know, they, we say that God manifested this world, that he wanted to enjoy himself through many when people say, why did God make the world he did? Well, Swami Vivekananda's answer was, the level of consciousness that asks the question is incapable of understanding the answer, which was a very clever way not to have to answer it. Um, and, or another way of saying it is, if you want to know um, why God does something, you have to be at the level of God to be able to perceive it. But Swami gave us a, a completely different answer. He said, God is bliss, and it is the nature of bliss, it's the nature of joy, to want to share itself. And then, I mean, now that's still, that's a beautiful answer at a very profound level. But then Swami immediately brought it down to our own experience. He said, if you go to a good restaurant, you discover a, a new restaurant where the food is wonderful and the ambiance is nice and the people that are serving you are, are courteous and wonderful, what is the first thing you do? Well, nowadays people think they'll take a picture of the food and they'll send it out. At the time Swami was asking, you know, there are other ways. But the first thing you do is you think, who can I tell? You see a great theater production, you read a good book, you go to a good movie, you're a piece of music. The first thing you want to do is, who can I tell? Because whatever enjoyment I got out of it, I'll have more enjoyment when I know that other people are experiencing it. I've, I've struggled at times when I've been somewhere with, either by myself or with a small group of people when it would have been possible to include more people. And I'm enjoying myself so much, but my enjoyment is actually marred because those other people are not there to experience it with me. And I have to sort of think about how I'm either going to I'm going to get them into the experience by writing about it or telling them or something because it's the nature of joy to want to share itself. So when Swami says that, I certainly don't know why God made creation, but I can recognize a truth and I can, I can at least imagine how that truth could apply on a level that I, I haven't yet experienced. With everything that Swami taught us, he always would bring it down to a level where we could reason our way through it ourselves. Now, the effect of this, of course, I have tremendous admiration for Swamiji, and I, I think it was it's wonderful, and that particular answer is just wonderful. Why did God make creation? But what I remember most of all is the idea itself. Because Swami didn't try to bully me into it. Swami, we walked together side by side in order to find our way to the truth. So the idea itself was the focus point, not the fact that Swami knew the answer. Swami is imposing the answer. Swami knows the answer. Bring attention 
to the truth itself, to the thoughts that you are expressing, not to you for expressing them. Because if it's just about you, then the person won't recognize or realize it. They may admire you, they may fear you, they may grow to resent you, they may may be angry at you for always being right, but they won't recognize the truth because your personality has begun to intervene. Swami said something to me once. He said, truth simply is, it speaks for itself, and speaking to me, it doesn't need you to defend it. And, of course, what he was actually saying to me is it doesn't serve for you to try to dismantle other people's arguments when that dismantling feels like you're personally attacking them. Because then it becomes about you and them. And we've completely lost touch with whatever the idea is that we're trying to work with. And what is the point? The point is for all of us together to come to a deeper understanding. And this was also, again, the way Swami guided us in leadership at Ananda. He was, he was never defensive. I never saw him defensive. But as I was saying earlier, he didn't, that didn't mean that he was gracious in the face of, of foggy thinking. But he would always stop and consider the idea and then find a way, I'm trying to think of a good example, which doesn't in this moment come to me exactly, but just instead of letting us, for example, a lot of times we'd say things that were just like knee-jerk reactions to fads. I I was politically liberal and I thought the government was in the answer, the answer just a random one. So I always think the government should intervene. And Swami would just sort of talk about big government and what it might mean and where government gets its money and what happens when government makes all these promises and they they start overtaxing people and then they start printing money and then inflation starts developing. And isn't it interesting that Master really <clears throat> was a Republican, is what Master said. Now, this is kind of late in, <clears throat> in this 15-minute um, <clears throat> uh, homily to introduce that idea. So I want to make it clear that in 1930, when Master said that, he was talking in an entirely different context. So he wasn't talking about political parties. He was talking, Master's belief was talking about that too much government involved in people's personal life does not lead to the greatest happiness. So that was entirely what Master meant. But even bringing up that single idea in a context where many of us were wedded to a certain liberal political point of view, Swami would just spend the time it took to help us understand that maybe we want to think this point of view through a little bit more rather than just parroting it forward. But he never made us feel like he was right or even Master was right. It was, hmm... Why don't we consider this perhaps from a broader point of view so that we could then recognize the truth when it was presented to us in the right way. So, Swami says, truth cannot be learned. It must be recognized. If you want to guide others to the truth, state your thoughts simply. Get people to respect them 
rather than you for having stated them. Speak the truth in such a way as to bring it back to people's remembrance. The sage Patanjali defined enlightenment as smriti, memory. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.